God loves you. Does he now? You're a child of God. God ain't my fucking daddy. My daddy was a cunt, but he knew he was a cunt. God still thinks he's God, nobody's told him otherwise. Why are you so angry at God? Why are you so fucking stupid? I met people like you all my fucking life. Goody goodies. Make a charity record. Bake a cake. Save a fucking soul. You've never eaten shit. You don't know what it's like out there. You haven't got a fucking clue. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm Bartek, the other host. Bartek, the other host. How are you doing, my good friend? Good, good. I'm, I'm always the other. You're the other and I'm the standard. I'm what we measure things off of and you're what we measure them against. Yes. So, so when, we're, when we're like a fraction, you're the one on top, I think? Yeah, you're bottom. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the so, full value. Yeah, you're the bottom. So how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, the world is nice. <laughs> I'm doing very well, too, in terms that I feel like I've never been as depressed as I currently am. We are in lockdown again, people. Melbourne lockdown number six. Bang, bang, bang. We, I know some people are listening saying, haven't you guys already or always been in lockdown in these last few episodes? No, we're in lockdown for one period of time. Then we're out of it, but we weren't allowed to still visit each other because of these restrictions. And now we're back into lockdown. So... We are celebrating these lockdown feelings by watching movies, as we usually do, but seems by happenstance we're now watching depressing movies. Which, if anyone, nice. If anyone's listening to this in, like, 2044, uh, look up coronavirus on Wikipedia. Yeah, COVID-19. So, yeah. Uh, here we are, and it's my turn, it was, to pick a movie for our show Pictures Wow, which is such a joyous title to say. It almost makes me think of the days in which we started this, and you were saying that you had another suggestion in mind, and that this one was like a jokey one that you had in your brain, and I was like, no, yeah, that's I thought, it. <laughs> I thought it was like too silly. And then I was like, no, no, it's silly enough. We're the original PP. Uh, so I recommended the movie that is written on this episode. It is called Tyrannosaur, and we will be discussing this movie. Uh, Bartek, what is the synopsis you can give for people to kind of entice them in? Because, of course, we both recommend that you people see this movie because we will be discussing it in depth and spoilers. But, Bartek, for those who need a little bit of a nudge, what would you say is is this what this film's plot is or what it's about? Yeah, a synopsis for this one's a little bit tricky, I think. Um, I, I guess in its most basic sense, this is a film about uh, two people, uh, a man and a woman. The woman's in a slightly higher class, I guess, but not much higher, um, who are both you know, living their lives, but they're unhappy in their in their circumstances and, you know, in their own personal health, mental health or what otherwise. Physical. <laughs> physical health. And they, um, their paths cross and it's not so much a, a romance story as it is a story of two people who in some way find a sort of healing in each other's presence, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. It is a, um, it's a movie about redemption in a lot of ways, but also not. So people, check it out. It is a Scottish, uh, UK drama. <laughs> I say Scottish because, yeah, this is very Scottish. I know you haven't seen it, Bartek, but when I was watching this, it's not one-to-one, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, train spotting is a lot like this, where it's got a lot of really dark humour mixed in with a lot of fucked up shit. Um, hmm. Train Spotting, I think, is a lot more fun than this movie. Like, like by design, it's more fun. But I think they're both equally great, but also equally have a very unique, dour Scottish identity to them. Uh, so, Bartek, I have seen this movie before. I recommended it for this podcast. So, I will talk about my history first, if that's okay with you. Um, sure. 
I saw this. It was recommended to me by my good friend Jack Duncan, who recommended a previous film we did called Sss on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he recommended Another animal film. Yes, he recommended this film to me in a very jokey, jovial way, but emphasizing how dark it is. And he sold it to me on, dude. There's a scene in which we meet this douchebag husband by him pissing on his wife. And it just tells you everything you need to know. And I was sold on that. Mm -hmm. I was sold on that. Like, that's striking. Just that pitch. And when you see that in the movie, it is a very striking and memorable element of the movie. A great character introduction, to say the least, a memorable one. So I watched it knowing it was going to be depressing and knowing that Olivia Coleman was in this movie. And that really sold me on it because I've always, I've been a big fan of her since I first started watching the TV show Peep Show and the Mitchell and Webb look. So I know her primarily for a comedy actress person, but I've also known her to be like Jim Broadbent in a lot of ways in which she's that person that's in every UK thing, whether it be comedies, musicals, dramas, whatever it is. So I was sold on that alone as well. Of Well, I know a good actress is in this, and uh, she's the lead, because usually Olivia Coleman is usually like a secondary supporting character in movies, and uh, mm-hmm. more so leading in TV shows. So I was keen on seeing that too. And I bowled over by this movie, found this movie very striking, very impactful, challenging is a word I would use very often with this movie. This movie is constantly challenging you to be on board with it. And every time you think you are, it will introduce something to challenge that thought process again and again and again. But overall, I was on board with it that first time. Bartek, this is your first time viewing, if I'm not mistaken. Not mistaken. Uh, So, tell us your experience with this, because I gave you a choice at the end of last episode. Dark Mm -hmm. or light? And you wanted darkness. So, you were prepped with that in mind, that this was a dark drama. So, what was it like walking into this, and did you have any preconceptions? No, I didn't know anything about this film, um, except for the fact that you recommended I highly watch it with subtitles because of the accents and my history of sometimes not understanding thicker accents. Um, so that was basically it. Just, oh, watch this film. I don't know anything about. Make sure I have subtitles. Um, so yeah, walked in completely blind, didn't know anything about it. Um, and in terms of my viewing experience, some things that you said there about your first experience and, you know, what you thought about it, what you felt about it, uh, they do ring true for me as well. So, uh, I want to talk about the, 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 the subtitles forewarning. Was that a, a warranted thing for you or did you find that it wasn't really needed? Because sometimes I over, I under or overestimate your needs for movies. So I was just curious about that. Um, I think I might have been okay without it, but I always would pick subtitles if I had the choice, so that was all right. Okay, fair enough. So, what was it like for you watching Tyrannosaur? I mean, the movie starts pretty confrontingly. What was it like for you watching this movie? It was scary. I mean, the the film opens on quite a few F-words, and I think even a C was in there. Um... So it really did paint the tone there. And, you know, considering that last week we watched a film in which a dog gets killed and, you know, we had a lot of things to say about that and the manipulative element of that, this film, you know, basically begins with a dog being killed. And I find that very interesting in a way to kind of set the tone because the character who does the killing is our main character and we're still you know, gauging who this character is, what he's about, um, it, you know, whether he would have any merits or demerits to his name. And the the fact that this film would choose to kind of begin with him killing a dog, which in the landscape of cinema is usually like a, you know, moral event, you know, you've crossed the line, you, you know, you're, you're done forever. I thought that was a very interesting thing um, to, to see like, oh, so... For people who would be completely thrown off by that, would there be anything to this character to, you know, still grip them? Mm. 
And it was his own dog, too. That's something to mention. It wasn't just any old dog. It was his own dog. And I think uh, something to consider, too, is he kills his own dog. And then you see he instantly regrets that decision and that action. Not even decision, just reaction, because that was the thing. It's a it's a reaction. It isn't he methodically and premeditatedly killed a dog. He, he did it because he was uh, very angry, and he had an, an emotional outburst that turned into a, a physical assault on the closest thing nearby, which was his own pet dog. <laughs> yeah, it, it immediately tells you, oh, this guy's going to have you know anger issues, and he's going to do things, and he's going to regret them. And surely that this is a thing that has been a problem for a long time for this character. So the film did that. It opened like that. You're talking about it from a very, like, uh, other people perspective. But what was it? How did you feel? The film basically starts off by spitting at your face and saying, like me now. Did it, <laughs> did, did you manage to overcome some of these really harsh elements, especially in the beginning of the movie? Uh, it, it didn't turn me off. Like I said, I found it fascinating and I wanted to see where it was going. So I, I, I was holding on to any sort of like, well, this guy's clearly, you know, all bad and just waiting to see where it was going. Mm, mm, that's fair enough. I remember when I first saw it, it really threw me off because it's exactly like you said. Usually in these movies, they would have the dog be the emotional manipulation for us to like the character because, look, they have a dog. They have something about them that's warm and cuddly and cute. And I like dogs, so if they have a dog and they treat the dog well and the dog's like a buddy old pal, then that means they have some shred of likability to them. I mean, Mad Max had a dog, let's never forget, in Mad Max 2. He had a cute dog. Yeah, and the big saying is Hitler had a dog, I think. Hitler had a dog. Uh, yes, Shatsi, the dog. Um, and But this film immediately is like, no, no, no. He kills his own dog. And But it threw me off because I, I'm so used to films manipulating me with dogs like how they did last week on the podcast with The Hunt. So to see him kill his own dog... I was so, like, affronted by that. But then his reaction to it is what really won me over, is he regrets it so heavily and he's holding the dog so preciously and he's looking after it and, and you know, eventually he buries it and he's filled with this, with this absolute sorrow over his actions because he just couldn't control himself. And then we'll see that again with and again and again and again throughout the movie that he lives in this cycle of rage and regret, and eventually he has to try to break that cycle, and the movie's questioning is, can one actually break the cycles of life that we find ourselves in? Can someone who kills their own dog at the beginning find happiness? Can we actually follow a character who's done something so morally reprehensible and see them at the end try to wipe the slate clean and start again. Can you actually achieve doing that in a narrative? And I think most a lot of people will find that the answer is no with this movie, and a lot of people find that the answer is yes, and a lot of will find there's a mixture of the in-between here. And yeah, on my compromise. F- yeah, this film challenges the audience with this notion of 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 wiping the slate clean of redemption of being able to start anew it gives you gives many people uh, a different perspective on it because it's throwing in so many harsh conventionally unlikable elements whilst also throwing in some really warm loving tender very human elements as well where some people are never going to get over the fact that he killed a dog or that he demoralized her, uh, Olivia Colman's character at the very beginning of her faith or this or that. And we see even the characters in the movie. There are other characters in the movie that can't get past that with our main character. But then there are those warm human elements, obviously the main relationship between him and Olivia Colman and how it blossoms into something new and, and, and strange and, and kind of sad. So... Yeah, there's a there's a lot of avenues one could take this take this. How did how did you take it? 
Yeah, it's it was, it was certainly a dramatic film the whole way through, and there were so many moments where it felt like, you know, the scene that we were watching uh, was establishing what where the film was going to go. So, like, you know, the characters, they meet, um, they kind of get along, then they have a scene where they don't get along, then they get along again and start getting a little closer. So you start to think to yourself, okay, so this is like a, a romance kind of film with two unlikely people getting together. But then as the, you know, the scene progresses, you realize, oh, no, there, there's this kind of element stopping them from getting together. And maybe the film's about something else. Like a, a big one is, uh, the, there's a point where the, the female character, Olivia Coleman, moves into the main guy's house. And after the first night, he basically tells her, look, you, you can't stay here. It, it just fucks me up. You know, I can't. I can't function with another person in the house. So it, it's this, this thing that like, it, it tells you that things are not going to work out between them, that there are, there are needs that need to be fulfilled that won't be fulfilled with the other, you know, present, but that there is some sort of levity that one provides to the other. And that is kind of the crux of the relationship that they have. Yeah. So it's this, yeah. And you know, the film, as it goes on, it, it, Towards the end, it really feels like it is going to end on a downer, and there are some, you know, definitively downer things there. Um, but it also feels like there is, you know, little light moments of hope. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's it's one of those, not to jump straight to the ending, but there's an element of hopefulness there, but also an element of, oh, like, nothing changes, because he has his speech in the movie, too, about how he didn't want to get attached to her because he knew that she wouldn't actually be a perfect person. She would have her own shit, her own drama, and she does, and you could even argue it's worse than his. Uh, probably you, you definitely is. Um, and it would ruin this facade of that things are better elsewhere for for him because that's the thing like his life is so miserable you have to blame yourself for all these things but then like many people do who live in these small towns or whatever there's this idea of well the rich people have it better than us and the people who don't live here have it better and this idea of you know putting these uh, hopeful ideals onto something other and then in this movie he meets a woman that he thinks may have that, but deep down he knows, but that isn't actually the case. People are flawed, people are fucked up, and if I meet one of these people that I perceive to be better than myself, and I'm actually proven that they're not better than me, then it just reinforces the idea that the world around me, the whole entire world, everything, is this decaying nightmare of bleakness. And like that 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 is like a what i found truly challenging in the movie is is what is this a hopeful movie or is this a pessimistic outlook on life and i think i came away with it with it's just life in a lot of ways where life there's many shades and many different outlooks and perspectives on how you look at things like like we said at the beginning of this podcast we're in lockdown right now and it seems like everything's falling apart and pretty bleak and pretty hopeless. Yet three days ago, I didn't feel that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got to ask, I know uh, we joked about this on the Hunt episode. Did you like this movie? I I did like this movie. It was a really unique experience, I reckon. Um, like you were talking about there, there was this big question of, you know, is the film all about bleakness or is it about hope or, you know, what is, what is the takeaway there? And, you know, as sad and as downer as this ending is, um, there was something about the, the ending speech that our main character gives that I can't help but think back, you know, it's been, you know, eight hours since I finished watching the film. I can't help but think about the the upside of of what he was saying that there was this sort of optimistic feeling I had about it from the fact that he really understood the situation like all, all of the things he was saying about how you know I thought she was going to be perfect and I didn't want to get close to her because 
uh, then because I knew it wouldn't work out. He knew it would it wouldn't work out. Something about the fact that he understands or can at least expect something spoke to me in a way that said that, that, that gave gave me a sense that in the future there there might be something better for him because he might be able to avoid something worse. If that makes sense. Yes, and he's grown. You see, he is actually taking actions to change himself. He's no longer drinking as much. He accepted his punishment for killing the dog and went and served his time, and he's actually visiting her. It could have been easy for him not to do that, especially if this was earlier in the film. But as we see in the film, he is drawn to coming back to her again and again and again. But now they have uh, a different dynamic than the beginning of the movie. They're they're in a way, even though she's in prison, in a way they are more on even ground with one another because they both fully understand who each other is. While throughout the whole movie, it's a tug of war, right? Of who's hiding what or who's deflecting on what this issue is or his emotional outburst to to shelter his actual feelings and her emotional outburst to shelter her actual feelings as well. Like you said, it's this isn't a romance story per se, but you can see how it hits those beats a little bit of uh, how, how it works in a film. But yeah, I I think it's one of those ones where yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, I like the film, but it is a well-made movie. The characters are really well defined. Uh, it does have some subtle dark humor spread throughout the movie, and I I, I think the strength of it, which I I imagine you will agree with, is the performances are top notch. Mm-hmm. For sure. Did you have a particular standout? Um, I mean, this film is so defined by the leads that it's hard to just not say, well, our two leads. <laughs> um, yeah, there were just so many things in this film that, again, expectations are built up based on your understanding of, you know, how stories normally turn out. Like mm. I said before, felt like it might have been a romance, but then it didn't end up being a romance. There's a point in this film where the two main characters kiss and then embrace. Mm. And I watched that and said, yeah, I, this this isn't very nice. I know that, but I I got this feeling. Yeah, they're not in love, but this is a good thing that's happening right here. There's a form of it, love between them, but not necessarily sexual or romantic. Yeah, that what that wasn't a confession of love. It felt like a very human response to give, like a sense that these characters were comforting each other because they were just talking about. Mm. His wife. You know, yeah, his wife, and they were talking... They were, it seemed like they were leading into talking about not seeing each other anymore, and mm. it, it just felt like, you know, you you are my... What's that? A rope. You're, you're, you're something that I hold on... Yeah, you're a tether. Yeah, you're my tether. It was a... The, that the kind kiss of kiss and the embrace is a visual way for the film and a physical way of for the film to show that they, they have a connection. And that connection yeah. isn't necessarily sexual or romantic, but it is these people are feeling so alone in their lives when we meet them, and their connection together is making them feel uh, uh, alive again or feel stuff again that isn't those cycles that we trap ourselves in, especially for victims of abuse like her or victims of self abuse with him right like although he's not like cutting himself or whatever he is self-abusing in a lot of ways he's he's drinking hard he's on purposely antagonizing others to fight him and he's you know he's seeking uh retribution upon himself in a lot of ways uh, i think my i want to shout out uh, olivia coleman is a standout to me this is her best performance she won the oscar for the favorite but this is the one she should have won it for this is i think her career best performance and I've talked about on the podcast before actors, right? And how, and I use this phrase and I don't fully explain it, but I think people get it, which is you want something from them. And some movies deliver that thing you want from them and some don't. Like I talked about with that with Kurt Russell, right? Where mm-hmm. I didn't get what I want from Kurt Russell in Tango and Cash fully. I got it in spurts, and but I got it more so. But I didn't get it either in Soldier, but it was okay there. Or The Hunt, right? Where we talked about that last week, where 
I'm not used to this version of Mads Mikkelsen. This isn't the version I get from him. So it was nice to see that. While Olivia Colman, although I know her to be a comedic actress, like I said, she's the female Jim Broadbent, in which she's uh, very diverse and appears in lots of things. And this is exactly what I want from Olivia Colman. This is exactly the caliber of character and performance I want. She's funny and sweet in moments, but she's heart-wrenching. And and the way she screams at people, I always find enthralling, captivating. In The Favourite, it's very funny when she screams at people. When here, when, you know, she's screaming at her husband, it's funny, but also scary. Like, when she says, yeah, I've been selling my fanny. It, it makes me chuckle a little bit, but that kind of chuckle of like, oh, no, she's standing up for herself, but this is not going to end well kind of thing. Mm. And she, and since she does have a comedic background, she knows how to deliver these lines with that kind of comedic beat, as you and I know as people who have done comedy performances. There's a kind of rhythm and a beat you do for some comedy stuff. And she definitely delivers that here, but she's she's the 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 reason you watch the movie. Same the lead guy as well. I don't want to give him. I don't want to under underplay him, but she's she's the reason I came to the movie, and she's definitely the reason I would keep coming back to watch this this character, this performance. It is one of those things that like like we've seen many times on the podcast for for actors those career best performances there's just something about those where you watch and go this is the apex this is this is the actor doing their craft to the best of their abilities and there's something about that that just draws you back in to watch them again and again and again Mm -hmm. um i don't know are you that familiar with olivia coleman this is actually the first film I've seen with her, but I she had a very memorable Oscar speech. She was very you, adorable. You never watched Hot Fuzz? That. Oh, no, I have seen Hot Fuzz, yeah. She's the female cop mistake. in Hot Fuzz. She's right, that actress. While, like, you yeah. look her up on IMDb, you've seen her. Or heard her. She's in everything. Mm. I, I liked uh, a bit of levity in the movie that got me was uh, with her, which was when her, his friend who wants to run a zoo, which was a funny character... <laughs> Uh, that was a funny scene, yeah. Uh, when he brings her all of these female like items, like clothes and whatever, and there's like all these hair bands, and the guy, the main guy, just says uh, "hair," and then she just says, "Oh no, I don't need it. I don't really have any," because <laughs> she has short <laughs> hair in the movie. <laughs> it was yeah, it was a very funny, uh, understated line and a very human response. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, dude, seriously, you look her up on IMDb, and you'll be like, oh. I have seen her and stuff, like in Hot Fuzz. She's really funny in Hot Fuzz. She's not a main player, but she's in the movie, and she gets a heroic moment at the end in Hot Fuzz when she beats the 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 woman over the face with the like wet floor sign, <laughs> you know, and she's like a bit of girl on girl. That's like her in that movie, and here she is a few years later doing this movie, really diverse, but. Uh, you're kind of saying like, but this is the real big standout performance you've seen her do. What did you, what did you, like, I know you you liked them all, but what did you think of her in this? Because her character starts out one way and we learn about what she's actually going through. How was it like to see that character in this performance blossom? Yeah, again, the film leads you with expectations and it really, really subverts them. Because, um, yeah, the, the film starts again main character guy kills a dog and we're trying to follow this guy we're trying to learn what he's about um so when he meets olivia coleman you know she's working in that shop um there's still a sense that like okay this is the this is the other main character you know kind of like how i'm the other host um we're we're trying to gauge what her role in our main character's life is going to be and as you said subversion of expectations the film ends up being very much an equal ground of what our what both characters are to each other. Mm. It, it gives you this real depth that the striking opening that focuses on our main male character uh, doesn't quite imply. So when we start to, well, to to bring your your friend Jack's thing into it, when she gets pissed on, um, and things develop from there. Uh, we start to see, oh, okay, this this is going to be an incredibly different thing from what I was expecting, because 
like you said, also, she is probably in a worse situation than our main character, and she certainly ends up in a much worse one. Uh, in her second last scene where the main character is uh, confronting her about, you know, what have you done, and she just breaks down into tears, it almost felt like, oh, this, this is, this is the end of that character. We are, we are not going to see her again. This feels, you know, like too much. Definitive. But then when we do see, definitive, yeah. But then when we do see her again, you know, she's, he's, she's being visited in the prison and she's smiling and you're talking to our main character. It, it feels like, I don't know where I'm going with this, to be honest. Um, yeah, well, there's a rawness to her performance and his as well. Like, there's this, there's always an artifice when you watch a movie. Like, you know that these are actors and that these are characters and this is a camera, but you suspend your disbelief. But you get performances and you get scenes like her emotional breakdown at the end where, yes, you know that and you know that you've suspended your disbelief, but when something's so raw and so powerful, you get transported there and it feels like this is really happening. Like when she was crying on the ground, I kind of forgot that I was watching a movie. I felt like this was like a state, like I was in the room with her as she's mm. breaking down crying. And it's because like that definitive feeling you're talking about is because the film has been culminating up until this big emotional high point. And she is an actress and him as an actor too, reacting, deliver on it in such a way where it is very satisfying as a viewer. And that's why that definitive feeling is there, because this is the emotional release point. Because her character has been emotionally repressed, while our main character, he's been emotionally outbursting all over the place, correct? She's been having an yes. outburst, but she's been she's the, the repressed, middle-aged, slightly upper-middle-class woman with the abusive husband, and she's alone. And then to have her finally uh, explode and have this moment and... My wife, Rachel, did not want to watch this movie again because of that scene. She said, like, my Mm. wife said, just the lines, he put glass inside me. She's like, I don't want to watch it again. Just that line in particular, with all of it, but that line is really a striking one. It is. Mm. Did you recognize our main actor as well? He was in Children of Men. Oh, okay. I I couldn't... He was the dickhead soldier. Guy, the one that tried to fuck them over near the end. Yeah, there was someone like that. Um, I couldn't get over the fact that he looked a little bit like Bruce Willis, to be honest. <laughs> really, I thought he looked nothing like him. He looks too English. <laughs> I I couldn't unsee it. It was just like, oh, it's Bruce Willis, but it's not Bruce Willis. You know, he reminded me of he reminded me of a balding version of Hank from uh, Twin Peaks. You know the. The uh the husband to Norma, the R and R diner owner. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Something about his face. He has that kind of nose. But all of them very good. But I want to give a special shout out to um the husband character, played by Eddie Marsden, who's one of those guys too. You know him, you've seen him in things. I'm sure like, I have, yeah. You saw The World's End or not? Uh yeah, I saw that. He was one of the main characters in that. He was the goofy friend that, at spoiler alert for The World's End, at the end, even his own family didn't recognize that he had been replaced by a robot. Same guy. Okay. And in this, he's the biggest piece of fucking garbage I've ever seen as a person in a movie. He's, he's fucking horrid. But I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. Every time he came in a scene, I was, I was feeling the sense of dread. But all this, also this sense of absolute elation that he was here because he's very captivating as a performer. Like he has a very um, unique physical look to him. Like he has this real mousy face to him. Yeah, like he looks like was, a mouse, but he's so there, scary. There was a thing about him that's like, oh, in another film, this character could be kind of goofy, but not in this. He's no, like in all of the scenes where like he's he's putting on a smile, there there is like a sort of yeah, skeezy feeling to it. I love um, his introduction too. Like my friend Jack, it's it's one of those things that it's it's so specific that you can't forget 
that character introduction of just we see the back of his legs and just him through a reflection in the window in the in the windows or the glass of the house and then the light switching on and off and just see the back of his legs as he just pisses on her that's how we meet him like we see mm. pictures of him on the walls but like actually meeting the character that's how we meet him what a what a fucking brutal way and i react as you know, with dark elements like this, with a little bit of humor to them. So when I see that scene, I do get like like that nervous chuckle because it's like it's so fucking audacious to do and so fucking horrid that my gut reaction is to nervously laugh at it. One of the first things we talked about for when we started talking about the film was, you know, our main character killed a dog and it would be interesting. It was interesting to see like, uh, that how that character would be redeemed or developed from there, considering that it's such a you know big thing that he did. Um, it's it's noteworthy to say that I think after we saw this character piss on her, we didn't really think there was going to be all that much redemption. <laughs> what about his scene where he's crying and pleading to her and saying that God does not hear him? Yeah, that's. Uh... And I know that in the in these types of films, when you have that abusive husband character, they do have that moment where, like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, but but you know that like it's going to continue onwards. Mm. Um, I, I guess since I, I'm not going to say that I thought that he might get redeemed or anything like that. Um, I always hold hope for something like that, especially for this film that was you know doing things very differently, subverting expectations. Um. And but yeah, once once he picked her up, took her inside, and just like you know, hand on the throat, it's like nope, nope, this character's gone. Well, not even then. Before then, because we had when he visited the shop, and she was fitting the tie on for our main guy, and he was being all polite and like ha ah, ha ha. And then immediately uh, was... when he went into the changing room, he's like, "I saw you." Was that after the? That was crime? after the apology. That was after oh. the crying, yeah. Oh, my because mistake. Because then she I got went it. out and started drinking and trying to avoid coming home. Yes, yes, you're right. My mistake. Yep, you're right. It was that scene that did it. I love, like, how intimidating he is as a force. He looks like a meek, mild-mannered guy. And again, this testament to his acting. Just him raising his finger and pointing was fucking terrifying. I, I was like, this guy, this fucking guy. And yet, yeah, this and is then, the same guy who would play the silly Russian villain in Hancock. He's a weird actor. He's got a weird resume of roles. <laughs> yeah, and again, the fact that he kind of had this little smile when he did the point, it was just like, oh, God. Yeah, like, he takes joy in this. And that's what makes him different. The film explicitly says that. He takes a sick pleasure in his cruelty, while, while our other characters don't. They are saddened by it, like our main guy. That's what makes uh, her husband and the guy with the dog um, sickos, because they enjoy and get pleasure out of being cruel. And thus Mm. they don't have the ability to be redeemed in the narrative because they don't have that layer to them unlike other characters in this film that do even like his best friend guy that's dying he has regrets he wishes he could have done better he did terrible things but he has that capacity on his deathbed that he wish he did better while the husband and the guy who owns the dog they take absolute joy in their horridness and will feign um uh, will feign uh, being sorrowful about the entire affair, but they don't actually mean it. Which she calls mm. out in that great scene where she has the breakdown with her husband and calls his cock small and all of that, and 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 absolutely rips into him and like grabbing him and being like, "Smell my fanny" and all of that, and then she runs upstairs. Yeah, um, I guess I would just add to that. I when I when I saw the that character. Um, when, when they have that confrontation where they come into the house and, you know, small cock, things like that, um, when he breaks down and, like, falls on his knees and then she gets upstairs, that gave me this sort of impression that, like, yes, he is uh, abusive and he does take a sick pleasure from what he does, but it feels like on some level he doesn't seem to know that, and that just seems like another little element of, like, oh, oh, this oh yeah, and he's a weak, weak person, like, she- 
exploited his weaknesses and took him down a peg. But then what does he follow that up with? Rape. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck him. Yeah, and- it, it felt like this very like raw thing of like, you know, this character, he's a sadist, he he's weak, he doesn't and he doesn't understand that. He just acts on impulse and yeah, that makes him feel like a monster. But our main character acts on impulse too, but he has the ability of self-awareness, growth, change, regret. Um, yeah, the the scene where he was first, our main character, when he was first destroying the shed and that stepfather guy comes with his dog to threaten him and the fact that the main character does back down, like, that felt like a, you know, big moment for him. Like He, he even had an exchange with the dog. It's like, this isn't your fault, man. Like, he sees that the dog is a victim in the situation yeah. because the dog will eventually snap later in the movie. But from our main character's perspective, the dog was a victim. He was being abused, and eventually you snap. And that's kind of what this movie's about, right, as well, where your victims, whether they be of abuse, of physical variety, or circumstance, eventually you're going to snap. But it's how you do that and how the consequences of that is Yeah, and also... Yeah, and also our main character, he does have an understanding about things. Like I said, there was a thing I really liked at the end of the film, which contrasts with, you know, the the husband character who doesn't. I mean, one of the visual elements that sticks with me in the movie is the striking image of him covered in the blood of the dog and sitting on his armchair with the dog's severed head in his lap, waiting for the guy to find his dog and come at him. Yeah. How did you feel about that? It was, yeah, it was quite a multifaceted scene, especially when you have this guy, you know, former tough guy going, my doggy, my doggy. <laughs> um, that guy was so he, dumb. I loved him. Always took was, his shirt yeah. off and he was like flabby. <laughs> yeah, very, very sad. Um, yeah, that, that like you, you were just saying, the image of our main character just sitting there staring with these dead eyes towards the guy. Um yeah, it was, it was, what can I say? It was striking. <laughs> Any other uh, big standout scenes or moments that really stuck with you? Because I'm talking about all these big ones that, that, that hit me, but is there any other moments or beats? In the scene where, uh, where our main character and Olivia Coleman, she gets introduced to his friend that, like, later gives her the clothes, um, they, they, he has this whole big speech that goes through a lot of, you know, beats. Um, it, it begins with him, you know, talking about, oh, those Pakis that beat you up, the Pakistanis. Uh, we should, you know, we should go all KKK on them and, like, you know, really lay into them. And it's this really just like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's saying awful things. He's making a really bad impression on Olivia Coleman. And even though it, the scene does end with her you know, talking about being offended and things like that. His speech kind of eventually has this really big turn where it, it becomes this almost like lighthearted, not mm. quite characteristic, char- uh, not quite charis- charismatic thing, but like childishly cute scene away. Cause he's talking about how he wants to a get zoo. all this money, become rich and open up a zoo and he's talking about, like, why his zoo's going to be so great. And it's just this really funny thing of, like, you were just saying some awful things and now you're being a little bit endearing. And it was just this really interesting- And he remains endearing throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's this really, again, another subversion of, you know, the the, the people that would live in this community are tough guys looking for a fight and they're not very pleasant people. But there is a sort of- likability to them and they have hopes dreams desires Mm. which our main character at that point doesn't have hopes dreams or desires really like that guy does i like to the touch of she's not offended at him she's offended at the end of the scene by our main guy because well i mean he's already been like brutal to her but there's also like this little touch of in the direction and action uh, the, the directing and the acting, sorry, where the friend offers to buy them a drink and mm-hmm. he turns it down, like very abruptly turns it down. And you see the friend kind of react sadly to that and walk off. 
And it's kind of like she reacts like, that offended me. Like the casualness, the casualness of your of your blatant disregard for others is what offends me. Is mm. is something that is a recurring issue for her. Yeah, it was a very multi multifaceted answer at that point because I think just before that guy came, he was the main character was talking about how he just killed his dog and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean that scene though in the op shop where he basically tells her to go fuck herself and that God is not real and not my daddy and all yeah. of that. Mm. I mean that's the audition monologue, isn't it? That is the one that they throw at you at the audition to see if you can handle this role. And he does it so fucking well because he is absolutely reprehensible. But the way this this actor manages to pull through that scene, I still felt for him because I knew through his just pure acting, not exposition in the script or her saying something, that this is something that he deeply does feel, but also it's something that he's he's perpetuating as a belief for himself because if he thought otherwise, then that would challenge his status quo, his apathy, his his disdain. And that nuance there that's just present in his performance makes him an engaging character, not just an unlikable character. And I compared this to train spotting early on, but there's a line in train spotting that I think is applicable here for for him and this community is um there's a line in train spotting where a main character is talking about how filthy and gross and weird his friends are but they're your mates you know like they're your friends so what do you do and that attitude is present here as well like yeah his friends being disgusting and racist but he's a good guy underneath all that and he's my mate you know he's my friend and same with the guy that's dying and so on and so forth but you have characters in the story that still challenge that, like the daughter of the friend that's dying. She does not like our main dude. She's just like, you made things kind of worse, but you're going to come drink with us. You're going to come. You're going to come. Fuck that. You're going to be there because you were important in the scheme of things. You were still his mate. That was basically the line at the the funeral. It's like, oh, why are you so far away? It's like, uh, you know, just staying away. It's like, well, come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she does chastise him. She's just like, yeah, you you, you, you didn't help things. But mm. you're going to come drink with us, you motherfucker. Um, yeah, I love this movie. It's a tough one, though. This is probably one of the more brutal movies we've watched for the podcast. It has all the confronting things. And I asked this last week of the pod, and you, you kind of had a little bit of a, like uneasy response to it because it was for the hunt. But... How does this movie rise above the the shock tactics? Because again, this movie mm-hmm. opens up with a guy killing his dog. That's a very shocking thing to do. That's a in your face thing to do. That's like I said, it spits in your face and challenges you to like it. How does this movie, if it does for you, rise above shock value and in your faceness? Uh, for the for the dog example specifically, the fact that it does it so quickly when in all these other films it, it is a thing that gets like uh, built up and you know you you have the moments of the film where you know characters talk about the dog and how cute it is and it, it's just always being emphasized. Like in this film, the dog gets killed and then very soon after the main character and the and the little kid that lives across the road from him have a conversation about how cute the dog was um and that helps to emphasize the the remorse that our main character feels the fact that he um he his temper does get the better of him and he makes a lot of regretful decisions and that is highlighted throughout the film especially in the scene you mentioned just before with um the the the, the audition scene Throughout that entire scene, it's like every single thing he's saying, you know, it's awful, it's reprehensible, and he's going to walk away from it, you know, without apologizing. But there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to hate himself for it. And indeed, the next scene is him in the pub asking, you know, what the fuck is wrong with me kind of thing. Um, I think this film rises above the shock values, especially with our main character, because of its self-awareness. It doesn't, uh, 
it, it doesn't shock you and then just say that's it. It it has more substance it, than just the shock value nature. Like, yeah, it 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 does the shocking thing and then it moves on. It talks about how. I guess it, it it shocks you, but then the film feels disgusted at itself for doing it. That's a great way and, to describe yeah. it. Like I, I, my answer is very similar to what I said in the hunt. It doesn't substitute anything. It 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 doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It gives you the shock value, but that's not it. There's there's other things. It's not as if the shock value is the substitution for character themes metaphors and that i get annoyed with films that are like here's something shocking but at the end of it i don't know who that character was that did the shocking thing and why they did it and how it affected them or the others around them well that's what this movie is the movie never forgets that this is a character study that this is a film about the characters and it remains true to the characters and to a bittersweet degree, but it remains true. So when you have shocking things like Olivia Coleman did kill her husband and stabbed him, it felt real. It's shocking, but it felt real. Like that felt like obviously that was going to be the case. And then she breaks down and we find out and then she pays the consequences for it. And like we've said with so many other examples in the movie, and also a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of the shocking elements uh, introduction uh, elements to the story, the shockingness of the violence or the characters are part of the act one of the story or the act one of characters because obviously her husband comes in a little bit later but that's his introduction is him being shocking and vile and like we said, him and the guy that owns the dog they don't have more to them that much more to them because that's not what the film is about. The film is about these two characters, not those two. And uh, and that is why it rises above that shock value, spit in your face, fuck you mentality. And like we said, the film has an optimism to it, but also it's realistic and it's nihilistic in a lot of ways. And I walk away from the movie with a sense of optimism and hope, but also understandable sense of of sorrow and sadness like with life like this is one of those perfect dramas that doesn't feel hollywood and doesn't feel manufactured this felt like somebody documented life and put it on the screen like so many little touches funny or sad like her working at the op shop and how many of op shops or charity shops have we seen look exactly like the ones she's working in <laughs> Yeah, and that's true. doesn't Olivia Coleman look exactly like the type of woman who would work in one of them? Exactly. And and it's the authenticity to the characters and to the themes and to the to the setting that rises above it. And so that is what I say to that. But people get easily wounded when a dog gets murdered in a movie and will never forgive the movie for that. And I'm not going to chastise people for doing that. But... It is a deliberate choice of the movie. It is not done flippantly. It is a deliberate choice, and that's the movie. It's deliberate in its actions. Yeah, throughout a lot of the film, because there were, you know, just expectations that you were having, um, I was just always waiting for the moment of, like, oh, when when is our main character going to, you know, beat up the husband or the, the stepfather across the road? And the fact that it never happens, and I felt okay with that, um, I think it's a testament to, yeah, the film being genuine and knowing what it's doing. I think the last scene I want to discuss with you is the title of the movie, the titular Tyrannosaur. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that that revelation and why why that exists? Because you must have been thinking at some point, why is this movie called Tyrannosaur? It takes a long time for it to even be mentioned. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so so the Tyrannosaur is the nickname that our male lead had for his deceased wife, um, because she was a big lady and she would always, you know, ha- make loud footsteps when she goes upstairs, just like in Jurassic Park. Um, Your favorite film? My favorite film that I haven't seen. Yep. Uh yeah. There's there's probably a 
uh, larger metaphor to that that I haven't quite uh, cognizized yet. It's, well, for character-wise, it shows us how much he's grown because he's telling the story about how he used to be mean to his wife and horrid, and then he was like, I thought it was funny, but I realized I was just being a cunt about it. And the whole conversation, too, about, you know, how she was a good person who was able to forgive, and he is not that type of person. And then when asked, do you wish that she was still around, he was like, no. No. And I like that there's a real, again, authenticity to the complexities of relationships and love. When asked, you know, like, I I loved her, yes, but I also fucking hated her. That is, there's a real honesty there to that because when you're in long-term relationships or familial relationships you of course love these people but there's also an element that you don't like and you maybe hate about them because they know you so well you know them so well there's going to be those uh, ebbs and flows um, but he's at this point now where he's he's getting another connection like that again with with this woman instead and he's having a hard time grappling with that Hence, when she's like, I feel safe with you, he's like, nobody's safe with me. Nobody. Mm. Um, Yeah, I guess that leads back into the whole self-awareness thing of you have to take the good with the bad, and he just really wants to avoid the bad. (sighs) I think that's it for Tyrannosaur, unless there's anything else you want to say about it. It's a brutal watch. Yeah, I guess the only other thing left to say is that I think the film could have done without the scene where Olivia Coleman turns into a T-Rex. I think that was pushing it a bit too far. It reminded me of... Maybe that's why Jack recommended it to you. And then she got killed by a mongoose that was in throughout the whole movie going... Throughout it, yeah. Yeah, it, that was the only thing that, like, when the main character had his speech at the end that sounded optimistic, I'm like, yeah, I agree, but that the T-Rex thing's a bit, you know, doesn't really fit to that. Did you find it funny, this movie, at any point? I was talking about how I find certain dark elements in this very funny. Did, did you? Yeah, I mean, there were lines here and there where, yeah, a main character would, like, give a little chuckle at, like, something horrid that he just said. Um, and, again, the guy crying over his dead dog going, my doggy, my doggy. Yeah, things like that got to me. I had a good laugh, uh, and I, I, my friend Jack and I laugh about this too, when he's, after the husband's pissed on her, she's cleaning the couch the next morning, and he's like being threatening or whatever, and how he wants her to come to bed with him, and all of that, and then she's like, no, and then he walks over to the doorway, and then he's like, I guess I'll go have a wank then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, when the when the pissing scene happened, my volume was a little bit too low, so I didn't hear the the, the pissing hitting her. Um, so it was just this long scene of him standing there, I'm like, oh God, and me just foreboding, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then my volume was loud enough for me to hear him zip up and then walk away. I'm like, oh, something was happening, but I didn't notice it, so I had to rewind and turn the volume up. And you didn't see the piss hitting her? <laughs> You'd no, I, I recognize. I had to. I, I got closer to the screen, and then I saw it, and I realized, ah, there we go. Something was happening all along. I also get a chuckle. It's dark. It's fucked up. But the whole, do I smell like a dead animal? Because you fuck like a dead animal. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, this guy, <laughs> he's just so fucked up that he makes me laugh in a very disturbed way. But that's just me. How I react to him. He's mm. one of those performances, but that's it. That's Tyrannosaur people. Uh, would you? Would you? I I know this is something I have often asked you, and I don't know why. I guess I get curious. Mm-hmm. Would you? Would your mum watch this? And how would she? How do you think she would react to it? Um, I think she would call it a a powerful film. Um, that disturbs her. Yeah. I think there'll be that kind of reaction. Do you think she would, like, enjoy it, like how we've enjoyed it, or do you think she would be like, no, too much? I I think she would talk up its positive elements, but just emphasise that, yeah, it was, it was, you know, a very striking thing. Like, the last film that I saw in the cinema was with her with Joker, and she said that was a bit too much for her, so... Well, it's the Joker, baby. Defi- 
Yeah, well, this one's the Tyrannosaur baby. Tyrannosaur baby? Uh, but That's y- a line from the film. Yes, Tyrannosaur baby. Uh, so that's it. Uh, recommendation for next episode is the Listening People's Recommendation Bartek. And I have yeah. looked over our list, and there were a few that I forgot were recommended. So I'm very interested in those. Um, I'm going with a lighter movie. I'm sorry, everyone, if you wanted me to keep going down the dark rabbit hole of depression. Um, but I'm going with a lighter affair, if that's okay with you, Bartek. You know what? Six lockdowns in. We can go for a light one. Uh, so we're doing The Fifth Element. Uh, that was recommended to us by Joseph, who I think you must know because it's spelt in a way that I feel like is someone Yeah, knows. that's... Yeah, it's a guy I work with. So he better be happy that we're doing The Fifth Element. Uh, have you seen this movie before? No. Really? Oh, we will talk about that then. Uh, listening people, thank you for joining in and listening to us talk about Tyrannosaur. Make sure to come back and join us for the fifth element. Bartek, where can people find us on the internet? You can find us on the internet at various websites. You can contact us at uh, our Twitter page, Spit and Polish. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page, Spit and Polish Presents. Um, we upload and uh, our episodes to many places podbean youtube uh apple podcasts you can leave reviews and comments there and for some of them even direct messaging um and if you just want to contact us really really directly you know no needing to go to public places you want to do it privately we have an email address that is spit and polished at gmail.com yep that's it well until uh next time listening people <laughs> Enjoy life, I guess. Choose life, as they say in Train Spotting. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Like, this is just one of those movies, like with The Hunt, where it's just like, and we end it by being like, I don't know, guys, enjoy stuff. And then you joke, like, oh, whatever. I don't know what your retort would be for this one. What would your retort be? Your witty, funny retort to me just being like, oh, I don't know, guys, this movie was dark. Enjoy life, I guess. Yeah, no, the one last week was really easy to do. This one's a bit more complicated, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Don't kill dogs, guys. Uh, but it was effective. Maybe maybe kill dogs. It was super effective. <laughs> oh yes, Pokemon. That's that's the that's the angle. Yes. Got to catch them all. <laughs>